Gary and I here at Choose Film Podcast would love to wish everyone a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year and say a special thank you to all our listeners who continue to tune in and support the podcast. We've been having a cracking time so far uh, and we absolutely cannot wait to be back in the new year with a new season, some very exciting guests and some lovely films. But for now, we are going to take a little festive break and we hope that you enjoy this episode on Submarine. Hello, I am Nicola. And I'm Gary. And welcome to episode 77 of Choose Film, a real retrospective podcast where we take a deep dive into a film chosen by our guest. Each season is a different theme, and we're wrapping up this season of change with today's guest, Neve McEwen, who's decided that this episode we will be taking a look at Submarine. So, Neve, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> I'm trying to be polite. <laughs> That's all staying in. <laughs> I oh, no. love you, you wee legend. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Oh man, okay. How are you doing, Pear? How are you doing? I'm going to ask you how you're doing because we've already had this small talk conversation, but I think we need to do it again because I always feel like in podcasts, the guests are always rude because they never talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how are you guys? Tell tell me a bit about you. Well, yeah, I feel like we're all a bit delirious on this lazy Sunday evening, but yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I am feeling a bit tired now, but yeah, good. I'm just uh, nursing a wee peppermint tea as we go along with this, so right. I don't know if Fancy pants. that shows it's a Sunday or it shows my age, but... Yeah, both, I, I think feel. it's a bit both. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've got diluting juice, so yeah, I'm still a child. <laughs> <laughs> I'm drinking a cup of um, room temperature water that I left in the office on Friday. It's now nice. Sunday. Nice. There's no, yeah, it's all right, it's all right. Right. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Neve? <laughs> Yeah, so I I am a screenwriter and director who is based in Edinburgh, Scotland. Um, I've made a bunch of shorts. Um, most recently, I made a short called Jenny Reaper, which is like a mockumentary about the Grim Reaper who goes on holiday for the first time in 100 years and she's like haunted by ghosts of her past. So I've just finished that and we're kind of sending that out to places. Um, and then aside from that, I'm just kind of writing, pitching, um, waiting for the phone to ring. Uh, awesome. so hit me up if anybody wants me to direct a wedding or a funeral <laughs> I'm super cheap <clears throat> no but a couple of um Neve's directorial credits are available for people to watch there is Stunners which is available on BBC iPlayer and well the farm, done the farm is also available on BBC iPlayer isn't it yeah the farm yeah episode trumpets yeah I'm sorry I'm sorry I understand I sell myself um, yeah, right. they are on BBC iPlayer so please, I got you uh, girl that's why I'm here yeah yeah thank you that's good Sarah and Kara probably like what the fuck is wrong with her can I swear by the way or absolutely yeah, sure. okay okay cool cool good to know <laughs> good to know um so Neve, Submarine why did you pick it I chose Submarine because um it is a film that I reference at least once a week. Um, it's something that I would reference. It's actually part of like every single mood board or like reference point I've ever made of anything I have made or wanted to make. It's just one of my, I guess it's one of my favourite films and it's definitely one of my favourite books. I read the book at least once a year. Um, and I just thought that with 
you know, if the, if the theme of this podcast was going to be like forest fires, I actually still would have chosen submarines. <laughs> like, I just feel like no matter what the theme was, it was going to be the one. But I also do think it's really fitting of the theme of change, like this idea. I mean, obviously, it's a coming of age film and there's kind of a lot uh, that happens when you're 15. Um, so, yeah, that's why I chose that film. I just really like it. And it's a nice excuse to watch it. Like, I haven't, I've read the book more than I've actually watched it. So it was nice to revisit it this morning. Yeah, I've never read the book, but I definitely will because I was not, I wasn't expecting to to like the film as much as I did, but I really Is this your first time seeing it? First Sorry. time seeing it, yeah. Oh my God, no way. Loved it, yeah. Where were you in 2010? <laughs> Probably still a fetus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, no, it was. I, I'm really, really pleased that you chose it because it, it wouldn't typically be a film that I would put on. Um, but yeah. It, it sucked me in right from the start, but we'll get onto that in a in a little bit. Um, but what would you what would you rate it out of five? I'd rate it five. Is that does everyone say five for what they've chosen? No, 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 no. no oh, don't. really? We've had a lot of fives today, though. We definitely have a lot, had a lot of fives today. Have you ever had one? No. Then, oh, okay. That's no. interesting. I feel like you wouldn't have many positive points to pick about a one. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess. Um, no, I would definitely say five stars. I think there's so much in it that you can get from it. Um, and I think even for different, like people can take different things from it. And I just think every department is just class, like the music, the design, um, the writing, obviously is incredible performance is amazing. Like five stars for me. What would you say it was? I will probably give it a four. Like, like I said, I was not expecting to love it as much as I did. I put it on and I was like, okay, I'm going to sit and watch a film. And I was like properly sucked in, you know, you, you, you might change my mind through this and boost <laughs> it up to five, but I'd give it a four. I was very, very pleasantly surpri- surprised, surprised, <laughs> surprised, very, very pleasantly surprised. I thought it had so many elements in it that like, if I had, if I had watched this and when it came out, I would have instantly been like yes I love this this is how I feel as a teenager mm-hmm. you know I think the way that it has been shot is incredible like I there's so many elements I won't get into too much at the moment but yeah I think it's a really really beautiful story and I love like kind of tying it into the theme of change I love that Oliver wants some things to change and other things not to and I think that kind of conundrum in it is really really interesting so yeah, it gets a four from me. Gary, what are you saying? So I'm gonna go Oh no. <laughs> I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a three. Uh, oh my god. Oh sorry. I know, I know, right? <laughs> um, oh, I've still got positive points. I've still got positive points. <laughs> um I personally think it might just be me. This is my second time watching it. I went to the cinema to see this and mm-hmm. I, I remember the trailer and I thought this film looks fucking hilarious, man. And then I went and I'm like, I'm not getting this. I'm not. I just don't. But then I was like, hmm, 2010, wasn't it, came out? 2011, I think it was. 11. So I would have been early 20s. Yep. So, and I was like, when I sat down uh, the other night, I was like, I'm a bit older. I'm a wee bit more mature, you know. And I still, I don't know. I just, I don't feel it. And I want to, if that makes sense. But that being said, one of my favourite TV shows is The Last Leg. Mm. And when... Mm -hmm. Richard Ayoade comes on it. I'm like, ugh. So maybe I'm just not a fan of him 
I don't know. So maybe he's will change my mind. Maybe I'm, I'm disappointed. Willing. I'm sorry, but no, no, no. This is interesting. Like this is so interesting, though. Because I like, I like all the actors and stuff in it. I do love as well. Mm-hmm. I think they play their parts really well. But by the end of it, that last scene, like on the beach with the two of them are just standing, I'm left going, I want more. Like, I don't know. I did uh, see what you're saying about it being funny. I will, I will defend it in that. And I mean, I'm I easily find things funny, so I'm maybe not the person to defend <laughs> it. But I find myself laughing out loud quite a lot. Like actually, like pissing myself at some bits. I was like, this, this is ridiculous and funny, yeah. and so like. Maybe it's just because we've been teenagers more recently than you, Gary. I'm joking. Well, that's it. No, but that's, <laughs> it's interesting as well because I feel like it. I feel like the film feels a bit eighties, a bit coming of age eighties films. Like this could have easily been like directed by John Hughes at one point, you know. Um, and I think it's very similar to Booksmart. Yeah. You know, with the coming of age, nobody's like overly attractive in this film or anything like that. Um, everybody is relatable characters to to look at to hear him speak all of that and i think that's maybe why i walk away not enjoying it because i don't feel that relatable to the characters like growing up mm-hmm. like i feel like there wasn't an oliver at my school or there was definitely a chips at my school <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh my gosh yeah. <laughs> uh, so maybe that's what it is. i think maybe by the end of it i'm like i wanted to relate to this more than what i did but mm-hmm. yeah i think I, th- I think that's so interesting what you said earlier about um, the last leg, or, or not, or just not being a fan of Richard Ayoade. Because I think when you watch the film, it's so clear that it's a Richard Ayoade film. Yeah. Justin, obviously, I don't know the guy, but just in terms of like seeing his interviews and kind of a sense of humor, and it's so clear that it's his. Yeah. Um, and but also, it's like such a direct reflection of the book as well. It's like the tone of the book. It like it's carried seamlessly across. It's like between uh, Joe Dun- Dunthorpe um, and Richard Ayoade. It's like. Um, like a perfect mix for what the book is I think yeah. but but what you're saying about relatability like I think what I actually like about it is like because the characters are unrealistic you know like no or like maybe yeah they're heightened they're so deadpan they're all so fucking sad and lonely <laughs> and yeah. I think that's what I like about it like that idea of what they say versus what they do or I don't know there's like yeah I don't, yeah. I'm gonna leave that thought there I, I yeah <laughs> Richard will listen to this episode and like cancel me now. What? No, <laughs> you're taking me down no. with you. <laughs> Take me down with you, pal. But but I also think that's totally valid. Like if it's just not the kind of tone of comedy that you're into, like that's yeah. really cool, you know. Yeah. Like, and I also do like really awkward, like that deadpan comedy. And I think that I think my problem is I want to like this film more than what I do. Like I've got urges to want to, but there's just something sure. missing. But it'll be interesting to try and work out what that is. Yeah. Yeah. But for our listeners at home, uh, I will give you a little synopsis of the film. So, precocious Welsh team Oliver struggles with being popular in school, but when a dark-haired beauty takes interest in him, he's determined to become the best boyfriend in the world. Meanwhile, his parents' already rocky relationship is threatened when his mother's ex-boyfriend moves in next door. Oliver makes some unorthodox plans to ensure that his parents stay together and that Jordana still likes him. Most people think of themselves as individuals that there's no one on the planet like them. This thought motivates them to get out of bed, eat food and walk around like nothing's wrong. My name is Oliver Tate. I suppose it's a bit of an affectation, but I often wish there was a film crew following my every move. So I'm in a documentary about a prominent thinker who struggled with unspeakable loss. 
I've tried smoking a pipe, flipping coins. I've even had a brief art phase, but nothing stuck. Your mother informs me that you have a girlfriend. Come here. Once, I ripped my vest off in front of a woman. It produced a very atavistic response. To us, and a wonderful evening of lovemaking. You know, you're a serial killer. Um, at this point, I think it would be quite nice, yeah, if we just move into our three positive points. So, as our listeners know, we'll each go through our three positives, discuss them, and talk about what we enjoyed about the film. So, Gary, would you like to kick us off? Sure, yeah. So, I'm going to talk a wee bit about the, the camera work in this film. I think it is some amazing camera work, but the camera is always subtle. It's not too like invasive in it. There's nothing too fancy. But what I did notice, for the most part, the camera is always slightly moving. Um, just slightly, though. It's not like n- n- none of this like really fast-paced, like energetic stuff. It's very slow and methodical almost. It actually reminded me of like a cam version of Skins. And I met one of the directors from the Skins TV show who said that E4 said no matter what's happening, the camera has to move all the time. And it kind of reminded me of that, like even in these tender moves, mo- these tender moments, the camera's either pushing in or pulling away or just moving slightly to show something, um, which sounds really boring, but it's like, rather than like cut to a close-up, this camera will just glide to whatever's on their mind or whatever they're looking at. That being said, I feel like there is a few interesting stylized shots in it as well, but they're only used at the right moments where it kind of matters. It's especially when we're in uh, Oliver's head. So... Mm-hmm. A few examples of that is like the slow-mo when uh, Zoe falls in the soggy pond um, or the shots of the poppy blood as Chips has been stabbed with a compass. Um, and there's the interesting stuff when, you know, we're in Oliver's head or his memories, as he calls it, when it's like that Super 8 footage as well. I think that's absolutely lovely. Um, other other parts of it like that would have been his kiss uh, with Jordana under the railway bridge, which does this kind of fast cut, unique close-ups. Um, it's kind of in timing with like a heartbeat, like his heart's racing. Um, and that actually reminded me of like like Danny Boyle. Like it was almost like Danny Boyle stylized, really these fast-paced cuts at unique ang- angles and things like that. Um, some of it feels kind of fly in the wall, like especially when, you know, all of us listening to his parents argue or He's watching his mum with the next door neighbour, things like that. But it's always doing the right thing. Yeah, I would agree with you in that. I found it so interesting the way that they used the camera in this film with the kind of surrealistic elements of it. And I actually quite liked how at the, at the start of the film, we seem to be in Oliver's head quite a lot of the time. And we have this kind of like absurd kind of use of the camera you know with like um the angles like the push-ins pull-outs and the kind of dynamic of it and I like how throughout the film it matures to becoming although it's always moving it becomes a bit more um like what what's the word I'm looking for like it's not quite as surrealistic or or um like it's not kind of absurd anymore it matures into this kind of like it's more still it's more kind of like the 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 
um, angles and things that we see typically in other films. Um, and it's kind of almost like that matures with Oliver. Um, yeah, it's almost when like Oliver gets out of his own head. So mm-hmm. does the camera work? Yeah, yeah. The narration kind of directs the camera work. Yeah. It feels like the top half of the film is very na- narration heavy. And I guess that's what, why there's all these like kind of different styles and intercuts and stuff like that. And I even like some of my favorite jokes are when he is like, at the start of the film, he's like, oh, sometimes I imagine that a uh, camera crew is following my every move. <laughs> and then and then, they, uh, and then uh, the camera would crane out, but we wouldn't have enough money, so we're just going to do a slow zoom out. And it, literally, that's what happens. And I just find yeah. that, I think that, like, really, for, like, I love, at the moment, I'm obsessed with mockumentaries. I, I'm so confused when I watch any film where the, ca- where the character doesn't look at the camera. I'm like, why aren't they <laughs> breaking the fourth wall? So I think that really filled that kind of void of, oh yeah, the n- narration in a way is kind of breaking that fourth wall technically, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's also kind of like um, the, the camera works trying to play catch up with his narration as well. With that, mm. so it's like he starts talking about, oh, we don't have a crane shot, so we'll do that slow zoom out, and it's like, oh yeah, and it starts to like zoom out on that as well. Totally, totally, totally. Yeah, because there is something about like the film obviously is told in his head from his perspective, so it's kind of that idea. Like, there is a question of like, is he actually directing this film? Like, it's quite, I don't know, it's quite. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's and it could almost be. Uh, I'm forgetting the word now. Um, like you're unsure whether you should follow the narrative or not because he is narrating, and it's like, mm-hmm. is he telling the truth with certain things and and stuff like that as well. Um, with the cinematography, it was the same. Um, can't remember his name. It's the same cinematographer that did Paddington Two, and the <laughs> I don't know if you have seen this other one, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Yes. Oh and, my God! Really? Yeah, and I wow. I like both those films because, like, especially with Walter Mitty, he goes into his own head quite a lot. His own head space and pictures mm-hmm. these different scenes. So I thought it was quite interesting that both films kind of do that, and Paddington Two kind of does it as well when he's like talking about how he's going to get this new job and then it shows you what it's going, what he thinks it's going to be like so yeah there's very there's a certain style there with the cinematography and the cinematographer that's a good that's a good point though um just the camera work in general as being like a highlight i do like it's like i really like the mix of styles within within it like you say it kind of morphs as the story goes it's very like French New Wave. Not that I know anything about the French New Wave, <laughs> but is that kind of I don't know. Even like I think one of my favorite shots or like the sequences is when um, Oliver and Jordana, like right at the start of the film, are walking down the corridor, and it's like that really fast intercut between him looking at her and her looking at him, and then him looking at her, and it like actually ma- makes me remember what it was like to have a high school crush. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, I really like like that. It seems like that though that uh, made me think of like the whole. 80s vibes that I was getting from it because if you played those shots slightly slowed them down a wee bit more and stuck an 80s rock song <laughs> behind that it would totally just fit in a different era you know <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. I do I think that the camera does something very very cleverly as well because these characters they're not particularly like energetic you know the way the way Oliver speaks is not monotonous but it's not got loads of energy behind it and their conversations majority of the time are just kind of regular kind of paced conversations and things like that and and it is normal life so although these characters are heightened they do go through it at a kind of life pace if you will apart from some circumstances where it's very snappy dialogue 
But I think the camera does such a wonderful job of injecting energy into the film with the snappy cuts, with the way that it moves, the way it interacts with the actors. Um, I think that's that's quite a gripping thing for an audience because although the actual story and the people involved in the story are going a little bit slower in pace, the camera's the thing that injects the energy and keeps it going and kind of moving. Yeah, because even the characters when they're having conversation that they're they're quite and it's deliberate, uh, mm-hmm. they're quite stiff. So even like that, I'm sure it's the last scene on the beach when like, <laughs> um, Oliver comes running up to her and then he's like, I was crying, my eyes are pro- uh, probably red. And she's like, they're not red. He's like, oh, I must be just one of those people whose eyes don't go red then. But they're just standing there awkwardly with it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. And they're in such a beautiful place at the time as well, like with the sunset and everything. And like the way that the camera moves between them and around them, like you say, Gary, like it's always moving, even if it's just like a tiny little kind of like almost handheld type movement um, and it really electrifies the scenes um like the new year's scene i loved that i love how it's it's on um it's on oliver then it's on jordana then it's on his mum and graham and then it's back to oliver and then it's back to jordana and then you know it, it keeps cutting even though their body language doesn't express like high energy or like high tension the camera does it for it yeah, and the camera also stays at peace when it's meant to. So when they're at that, uh, when they're at Jordana's parents, and the mm. dad has like a bit of a temper tantrum and like storms away, the, the the camera stays with Oliver, and it just sits there as he sits as well. And I think that might be down to the edit. Maybe they did have like lots of other shots, but I just like the that idea. It's we just because he is who we're following, and mm-hmm. if he doesn't get to hear more, neither do we. Because for mm-hmm. I think ninety percent of this, maybe more. Uh, we only see it all from Oliver's point of view. So, uh, totally, I, I think you're so right in that of the case of um, the camera just being attached to Oliver because I guess that uh, Christmas scene is like him feeling so awkward and paralysed in the situation. He's not moving, the camera's not moving. New Year, he's like, fuck, who do I choose? Do my girlfriend or my mom? Like, which one, which one? And eventually he makes a decision and I think it is quite interesting that way for sure. I also love the, love the montage at the end. <laughs> not the montage, but like the kind of, the climax of him breaking into the house and like pissing on the videos <laughs> and like setting bed, fire to the bed. Like I love the drunk. chaos of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Taking his dad's pills. Like, oh my God, so chaotic. Kind of just touching on what you said there, Neve. Like it's, it is kind of the camera that makes you feel these emotions. Like obviously the characters do, but it's the camera work that makes you feel it. Like that kind of tension is built between... Um, Jordana Oliver and his mother at the New Year's scene because of the camera work that kind of um like the 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 tension that you feel at the end where he's in Graham's flat is is because of the camera work like also coupled with what he's doing but he's doing it kind of clumsily you know mm-hmm. there's not there's that kind of like oh don't fucking do anything stupid kind of thing but it is kind of because of the camera that that happens yeah, there's definitely a confusion. Like there was a, there is a confusion as well at the end. Like I, it took me a while to be like, is he having a wank or if he is he pissing on these videos? <laughs> like there's like a second of like, I was like I, I'm so confused by what this boy's yeah. doing. Or I like the idea about the narration's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna go in and act deranged so that this man's scared of me. But then you actually like he is deranged. Yeah. Like he's not acting. Like he actually is having a, a full blown a full blown meltdown. Even mm-hmm. um, yeah, and there's something yeah. 
also that christmas scene like the the way the camera makes you feel awkward because oh my God, yeah. it doesn't let you move you are stuck there with him in that moment yeah I think it's also so like weirdly enough as well like that scene the Christmas scene is actually one of the most moving scenes mm-hmm. I think because I yeah. think it is one of the only times we see genuine emotion I mean definitely there's moments with Jordan and stuff like that but in terms of the fact that this romance cry oh well anybody can cry but just the fact that this character is crying and Sorry, I got distracted by the ambulance. It's okay. <laughs> I'm <like> so confused. <laughs> you know that that kind of it kind of leads into my first point of like the kind of surrealistic nature of this film. I love that it does not conform to cutting to black. It cuts to color, and mm-hmm. I think that's I think that's really clever because of the way that they they use the color in this film. Also, which it kind of touches on. Um, my point a wee bit later but I'll kind of touch on it just now like the use of orange in this film is quite significant and symbolic in that it cuts to orange when it's important parts of the story that's coming and it cuts to blue to kind of have that cut almost which is what I recognize but I may be wrong um but I loved I loved it like I just thought how surrealistic it, it all was is is really really clever I never noticed too much on that, but maybe you're maybe you're right. But then maybe I need another watch. I need to up my up my game. <laughs> <laughs> I think the only cut, or like I guess it goes back to the, the narration of the only one time that I recognised it was um, when he was like, you know, if this was an American sitcom, we would just fade to black and then pick up somewhere else, and then it actually like, fades to black and picks up somewhere else. Like I love that. <laughs> I think does it change? Like is it? Because from my memory, it goes like fades to black, and then it goes blue red or orange mm-hmm. or does it actually mix between blue and i can't remember you know same as guy i'm gonna watch again it mixed as as far as i can remember because i picked up on it pretty early on and i kind of took a note throughout it it changes between blue and orange right. could yeah, it nice. could it be that when it goes to orange it's when olivia's fe- uh, olivia oliver is feeling quite good about himself and then maybe it's like blue when he's feeling a bit like cold I could be wrong. I think it cuts to orange before the hospital scene. Oh, he's definitely mm. not feeling good there. Then. No. Maybe Which it's red. Why... Maybe orange is like a light red. It's like danger, danger. <laughs> well, that's why yeah. I picked on it. I picked up on it, but I'll I'll save that for my my yeah. kind of second point because we'll talk a bit more about it. I also love that wee part when they they leave the cinema early because they're chasing the neighbour, <laughs> yeah. and he's like the filmmakers will find it rude, and he's like, how are they going to know? So they just will. And I was like, <laughs> yes, we will. <laughs> <laughs> i know see when you see people leave the cinema early it's like oh was it really yeah. that bad like yeah have, have you ever left the cinema early no no i have fallen asleep in the cinema oh fair fair i used to always even if i was not enjoying a film would always be like nope respect respect let's do yeah. it but now i've started to do it well i, really? ha- I don't do it often I, i've done it maybe once or twice in my life yeah but what films what films i actually can't remember Bullshit. in case they're listening <laughs> no, I really, no I really can't like I honestly like I really can't remember but probably yeah no I can't remember mm-hmm. I have left twice just because like nah I've walked out of theatre shows before no mm-hmm. why oh, is that worse no I think it's worse because the people are actually there <laughs> <laughs> no I I've, I've walked out of theatre shows before at the uh, break no oh my god no Take it, a I look mean, at yourself. Have some respect for the craft. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I dare you. you do whatever you want. No, it was. I've I've only done it. I think I've done it 
three times and it was like one there was they didn't give a trigger warning um and I was like this is too much it's going too far I'm not up for this kind of stuff um and I have I've walked out of one of the fringe before because it was just getting awful like it was it was it was trying to be funny but it had very backward views um Mm. and stuff and it's like nope not enjoying this don't really want to listen to that um I get being open-minded but that wasn't that case but and I can't remember what the other one was the third one was a pantomime (laughs) you're like fuck this pantomime I'm out of here walked out of the the pantomime that I was in I've had I had enough (laughs) yeah so Neve, what is your first point I my first one that I was going to talk about was narration but I think I've kind of already touched on the main point but I think for me it would just be like the characters within the film um and I kind of or talked earlier about how like they're all so deadpan and sad and lonely like I, I would say like the mum's only dad's only Oliver's only Jordana's lonely and it, it kind of is this kind of constant clash between them all of um like not being able to communicate and I just really enjoy the comedy that comes with that you know I I think that's the, the best kind of comedy to me is the laugh out loud comedy and then you're like oh wait actually that's really sad <laughs> like that kind of like hidden kind of yeah. m- makes you laugh and then it makes you think yeah and then you're like oh yeah totally totally mm-hmm. um so yeah I would just say like yeah Oliver is a character very interesting boy but interestingly enough not to bring it up well to bring it up not to say in the book there's like a huge part about Oliver that wasn't carried across to the film which I am going to talk about because I don't want to spoil it but you should read the book because there is like this kind of you can you put know, a spoiler here and people can stop listening at this point or we can want. put it into the notes if you want the notes section yeah mm-hmm. no maybe I don't think I've actually got anything valid to say on it so I okay. will just cut around this <laughs> <laughs> but there's kind of an element there of like yeah, I don't know. You know what? This is a half-formed up. So I'm just going to leave it here. Okay. <laughs> a half-formed thought. <laughs> a half-formed thought, which I have spent three minutes talking about and wasting. <laughs> Not at all. Everyone's time. But no, I really like, uh, yeah, the characters. Are, yeah, so my highlight. That's the, yeah. yeah. I think kind of combining into that, unless you've got something to say, Gary. Uh, well, my second point's on characters as well. So just uh, uh, keep yeah. going and then we'll, we'll just throw it together, yeah. I was gonna say like I think I think they've cast it very very well um I think they have definitely achieved everything that they wanted to do with these actors and I think that Richard Iowadi's got such a specific like as we've spoke about he has such a specific style of comedy but he has such a specific style of dialogue as well like even the most emotional things are spoken very not emotionless but very deadpan and very directly and I loved that that really translates through all these characters but you still have an emotional attachment to these people like you still really feel for Oliver as as any child who's been in a household where you know a parent has has cheated or um you know like a, a marriage has kind of become difficult and the child's in amongst it you really feel for Oliver in those moments and I loved the mother like I thought she was wild like and I think like just really quirky and it comes across so much more because everybody else is so deadpan mm-hmm. um and I thought it was quite interesting as well that the 
the dad actually seems the most normal out of everybody and he's the one with the kind of the deepest problems and has the most internal suffering but has a very kind of normal way about him um in his exchanges with Oliver it doesn't seem quite as heightened as it does with the mother um you know if you get what I mean to- to- no totally like I've not really thought about that before but I would say that's so true but I also wonder if um you know there's that scene where his dad goes into his bedroom being like oh you got a girlfriend and he kind of I think what I love about that is like he just paces around the room talking at him but I guess that's the pressure he feels of like what would a father do what should a father say so he's kind of not pretending to be a father but essentially like role-playing what a dad should do in that situation um but then, yeah, I guess, like, as a character, him being, like, or, or we do talk a lot about his depression, I guess. And um, mm. I think my favourite moment in the film, actually, between um, Oliver and him is when, you know, early in the film, he says to his mum, oh, like, if we were in a burning building, who would you say first? And then his mum's like, you, but I'd feel bad for your dad. Which essentially, yeah, it's a funny joke. Leave it, move on. And then later on, um, Oliver asks his dad the same thing and then he says well save your mother because then we have a better chance saving you Aww. and it's just such a a bit like oh and then I don't know it's just like I think Oliver gives a tiny smile and then he spends the rest of the day with his dad and I think yeah. that's it it's just like everyone just wants that tiny piece of human connection or that kind of moment of honesty and then that's I don't know they understand each other a bit more and I just think that's really lovely yeah. I also like the um oh sorry no you go, no, no, on, you go. go, on, go on. I was gonna say I like the the motif or like the, the lemon tea just the fact that he's just always got his little lemon tea and the description of that and um like the moment when when we see it like at the start of the film I think he's like oh yeah when he's got this lemon tea that he refills from the same mug and then later on we see him with it and we're like oh he's on a downer or like mm-hmm. I don't know actually really it, nice. it, it is kind of like I don't want to say like kid friendly because you know I, I do think like it is important for kids to learn about this and understand this and um, because it is a part of everyday life just as I think it's important for kids to learn about proper names for anatomy however that's a yeah. different conversation I think <laughs> this does this really nicely because you don't ever need to look at antidepressant pills you don't really need to look at like a very dark mindset being portrayed in a person you mm. just need that little symbolic like thing and mm-hmm. that felt really real you know totally. I, th- I think the father brings a lot of humanity and realness into the film and mm-hmm. that's so symbolic of it as well because I mean I feel like we all have our comfort things in life um and that's clearly one of his for when he's yeah. in these kind of downers yeah I absolutely loved the parents and this mm-hmm. uh from both Jordana's and um and Oliver's as well I feel like they were the most real type characters in there. And maybe that's one of the reasons that I wanted to relate to it more. I mean, I I don't mind saying this. Like, I had, like, uh, parents who eventually separated, but you could tell they were trying to stay together for the kids type idea. Um, So I could relate. I mean, I'm not saying everybody was depressed in my family or anything like that, but I could relate to, like, a lot of on-screen things, but then couldn't relate to how Oliver was acting towards it all, if that makes sense. But that's the part I thought was really nice was like Oliver doesn't hate his dad or hate his mum. 
and even when like he finds out about the the hand job and stuff like that, um, <laughs> um, he he still empathises with her and he still tries to make it work. He's not like shouting the house down or or anything like that. He's like, it's funny when he goes up. And he's like, he basically says to his parents, "I, I want you to sleep together. You know, <laughs> like I want you to make it work." And I thought those really tender moments in there with it. Yeah. And like that scene where he is over at uh, Jordana's parents and the dad kind of, I think he throws a cup or something like that and walks away from the table. Mm. Um, I mean, we've all been in awkward situations like that. I think we at someone's house and an argument starts or, or something happens and you just kind of sit where you are like, nothing's awkward. Yeah, I think I think the scenes with the parents um, really kind of hit home about, you know, if like husband and wife or whoever are ha- having hard times like those scenes, those scenes work, I think, because parents don't want to like confront it, you know, especially in front of the children. And the fact that this film is seen from Oliver's point of view, maybe there is arguments when he's not in the house, you know, because it's really interesting when we find out that Oliver's found out about the whole hand job thing. And his dad kind of just goes, Yeah, we're just going to move on now. Maybe they had a full blown argument before he came home, you know, mm. we don't know. And so we are only seeing snippets of it. I think it's quite interesting as well when he asks, or when he, I can't remember if he asks or if he tells his dad, like, should you be upset or are you not upset? Yeah. And it is that little moment of the dad goes, yeah. And it's, you can see that's the parent that just wants it to work. And yeah. the mother's obviously kind of blaming it as a mistake and blah, 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 which fair enough if it was, but you can see the little look in her face as well. That's a very humane and 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 real moment for her because I think it's the first time you really see like genuine emotion in her face instead of this kind of like I don't know why frilly is a word that comes to mind but you know she's very like ditzy and like let's not talk about that no we're not going to talk about that that kind of thing but in that moment it's a very much like a yeah I fucked up and I'm sorry yeah there's another moment actually when I think it might be when they're in the car and he asks her about, would you save me or dad? And she says, I'd save you, feel bad for your dad. Oliver leaves the car and the camera just stays on the mum for like Mm -hmm. a couple of beats. And there's something really interesting that happens there. Like, I'm not quite sure what happens, but something does. Um, Yeah, and I think that that for me, I don't know, it's interesting. Like, I think she clearly has a desire. Like, obviously, Paddy Constantine's character is hilarious in this. Like, the Graham, holy shit. (laughs) But I think... But I think what's interesting there is like clearly she's a woman with desires, right? She's got like a shit office job that she doesn't like. She has to bring her own cake to work, kind of. <laughs> but if we all know yeah. those kind of offices, right? You're like, oh yeah, that encapsulates where you work. Um, and just this idea of like, I guess Graham's an old flame, and um, part of me wonders that if Oliver pushes her into, it's not really a full blown affair, I guess. But the idea that he's like they're having an affair, they're having an affair, like nothing's happened up and before that. So I wonder if that's the case of like. Maybe she toys with that idea a bit. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I've, I've, in the book, he does walk in on the hand job though. <laughs> like he walks in, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> it's like they're they're in a tent on the beach, and it's just like wow. The <laughs> mortification. Yeah, there, I remember from the book about him being on the beach and him seeing his mum, but just dressed in regular clothes and kind of realizing that she's just a woman. Um. Mm. And I think that there's something really interesting in the book that I guess they don't necessarily touch on in the film. Um, but yeah, but Graham, can we please talk about Graham? Yeah, yeah absolutely. See, see, just before, well, it's kind of part of it as well. Obviously, it would have been a bit different because you had read the book, but 
I thought it was going to be one of those ones where Oliver walks in and it's all actually really, um, like no one's cheating on each other. and it's Yeah, they're actually, just having a chat. Yeah, or something like that. And there's a perfectly good explanation for it all. So when it actually came out and it was like, yeah, I gave him a hand job. I was like, oh, didn't expect it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was so funny how she delivered that line as well. Just like, I gave Graham a hand job. <laughs> just yeah, so was... cool, calm, collected. Again, she also did not have to tell him. No, yeah. no. Like, why did she tell him? I think there's something really honest and pure about the fact that she's like, I'm going to say it out loud and we're never going to talk about it again. Because <laughs> um, I think she knows that Oliver would then just like nitpick at her until she admitted or until he found out the truth. Yeah. I also love the scene where like he tries to talk to his dad about like they're having an affair and he turns the tap on to be like, oh my god, they're having an affair, and he's like, turn the tap off. Yeah, like, I don't know, it's so great. <laughs> like those tiny nuggets are amazing. But is is well, like you know, the way the dad reacts. Like I think, I mean, if somebody had told me that my spouse had been having an affair, I think I would be like, you fucking what? I'm sorry, what? Yeah. How do you know this? But the dad's just like, turn the tap off. You know, like just like. Yes, I I do know this. I do know they're hanging out. Like, just yeah. stop. Yeah, Shush. stop telling me what I already know because I'm trying yeah. to block it out, and that makes it more sad for the dad as well. Because, mm. as you said, Nicola, he's trying to make it work, and he's obviously had conversations probably with like his wife and about that, and whatever he's saying isn't isn't making it any better. But yeah, he won't let her go either. I I also wonder if there's a case of you know when this is all unfolding, he's kind of going into his blue moment as well, and it's just the kind of thing of the struggle to like exist I guess in those kind of moments of like he can only really kind of keep his own head above water he's not in the zone to like be like take me back take me back I don't know I think there's something and I really like the fact that he really accepts the hand job or like obviously they've had an argument that we've not seen or in a sense that like there are adults who've who clearly there's x y and z reasons that all of this has happened and it's not never fully explored because you know Oliver's not thinking about the justification for it but um I like how it's not scandalous either. Or I mean, I guess it kind of is like just thinking about the Graham character. But um, yes, I mean those kind of things are so complicated. So I like how it's handled for sure. I think as well, like because I mean I've just actually kind of remembered this film does kind of hint towards like teenage suicide because at the start Oliver is saying you know like I've always wondered like what it'd be like if I was dead, yeah. you know, and and I think it's quite. Because that runs throughout, you know, at the end, because again, I'd never seen this and I didn't read anything about it before I watched it. I wanted to come in with like really fresh pair of eyes. And I was like thinking towards then, is he going to, is he going to do something to himself? Like, is he going to kill himself? Like, is this going to be a really, really sad ending and a, and a tough watch because of everything that's happening around him? But I think it's so nice how his dad tells him that he started feeling that way when he was Oliver's age mm -hmm. and it's almost kind of like history's kind of repeating itself because maybe you can see a bit of like Jordana and the mother you know that kind of like the mother seemed like she used to be a bit more like feisty and mm -hmm. and not the way that she was but she's she's changed kind of being with the father and stuff and it's almost like uh you know is Oliver going to fall down the same path as his dad and kind of just live life for the sake of being with this person and and living life or is he going to kind of find Jordana and she's going to stay like that and you know he's he's seen everything that his parents have gone through and he's accepted it uh, yeah yeah I, I also wonder if there's an element of it's interesting you brought up the whole how his dad said about he felt that when he was a teenager because I guess there's also like genetics at play there like you know 
I think this is something that you do inherit, inherit, I guess, and like that kind of depression. And um, I guess when he breaks up with Jordana, he goes, he's in, and there's that kind of like lovely like montage of like him kind of trying to exist. And he's in the bath, fully clothed. And then he sees himself dressed as his father with his lemon tea. So I also wonder if like that's actually about depression for him or if he's seeing his future self in a way. I don't know. Or Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought it was quite interesting, like how it, it it circles back to it at the end, but doesn't give you the outcome. Because I was genuinely expecting him to do something. Really? Got you. And he didn't. And I was very thankful that he didn't. Mm-hmm. Um. And kind of like what you were saying, Gary, like obviously they are just kind of standing on a beach, but mm-hmm. it is a very peaceful moment in the film. And it's, it's almost, it's very, mm-hmm. I uh, I might be reaching a bit far just now, but I love that at the end of the film, he's standing with the person that he he loves in his childhood kind of love, but he loves at that time. They have the dog with them, the new dog with them. And they're standing in this really beautiful place and it's so peaceful. Yeah. like and it's not a super windy beach and you know like there's nobody about it's just very peaceful and I kind of like the fact that that might be a representation of him at peace yeah. you know and hopefully not following along with his father um, you know I've got yeah. a, a whole note on Oliver but I'm going to wait and hold off and we can talk about Graham the ninja first yeah oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing to say about him other than like holy shit <laughs> yeah. I just like love I love the design of him like his haircut his clothes <laughs> and the kind of intricate like DVD sections of him as this like mind reader or whatever he is his cult leader and um, I like mm-hmm. the idea of like him being so unsexy but still managing to seduce Oliver's mum in some kind of way um, yeah. Uh, yeah just brilliant it's just brilliant it's just hilarious it's funny as well because like what like Graham and uh, other characters as well like nobody is like Hollywood good looking in this like I said earlier like, some people are also just horrible and I think it's I think it's interesting and but horrible I mean personality horrible not not looks um like everyone's ugly yeah <laughs> there's so many <laughs> <laughs> um, but like Jordana as well she's a bit of a brat and a bully which makes it interesting that you know Oliver yeah, fancies her and like that's one of his main goals is to like try and like get with her and the first time we really see it is she's bullying another student you know so it's not as if they're trying to like make that the fact that Oliver fancies her because she's like so kind and like mm-hmm. like generous or anything like that it's just I think it's the I don't know kind of like the the mysterious side of it I guess isn't it that he's into it is that kind of like British grittiness in it I suppose because I feel like in the UK kind of like when we were at school it was always like the girls that were a bit more feisty not necessarily the goody two-shoes kind of always had boyfriends you know Mm. and and were always friends with the guys and stuff like that because they weren't really afraid to be who they were I mean maybe it was a facade but maybe it wasn't you know but again like Hollywood glamifies most women in films and I just love that this is not yeah but I, I was mentioning even in relation to like skins at the start of the episode as well like they make like you know there's the good looking group and then there's the the in-betweeners type looking group and, and things like that but this film doesn't do that it, it looks like a regular classroom for instance um the parents look like you know regular working class and and things like that uh, and obviously Graham is a bit more mental looking just to make it more outrageous that she would she would go with him 
Mm-hmm. He is kind of like the dark horse, isn't he? Apart from uh, Oliver's father, who I think has the kind of the most naturalistic dialogue in it, he's one of the ones that actually just kind of says it as it is and lives quite unapologetically. He doesn't seem to have that many problems as other people do. I, actually, I think he's interesting though because, as you said, like he he says it like it is, and it's all this mindful stuff. He's basically the same when you like wake up and go on Instagram, and somebody has put something up. It's like the best self of you is still to come. They'll be there tomorrow, <laughs> and you're like, oh, deleted. Um, <laughs> um, but he's kind of like the the embodiment of that. You know, like you'll say stuff, and people will be like. Oh, there's something there you know that's mm. what their, their mm. mum says you know, there's, there's something mm. there and it's like there isn't he's just talking nonsense probably to get you into bed yeah. that's how that's how i take him there, you, there's also something because i think kind of going off the back of what you said nico as well it's like he isn't it's not so much what he says it's more like he's the only animated person in the film i guess like mm. uh, like uh performance wise and um i think what i like about him or not what, what i like about him but i guess He's there talking about living your best life, but also like his girlfriend's presumably dumped him and he ends up single in that massive house alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and when Oliver breaks in, he thinks it's his girlfriend that's back again and kind of playing this like fun, sexy game. <laughs> where it really is like Oliver <laughs> having best on everything. But I don't know. It, yeah, I don't know. It's funny. I just like this idea of it. It's always these like yoga mindfulness people who actually like they don't have any problems. Well, I mean, their problems are probably so internal because they've just pushed everyone else away. Like I think mm-hmm. that's what's interesting yeah. there. He yeah. also is the yeah. one that has the most wild car in all of it. <laughs> Everybody is yeah. very mundane and normal in his van with his face up across the back of it. So it's, good. It is very symbolic of him, isn't it? Like, kind of, <laughs> all flash, no cash, kind of, you know. But, yeah. um, there's also that scene where um, Oliver's dad has to get in the back of the van and just oh, that look back all of our, like, oh, what am I doing here? <laughs> that's so good. The flashing lights in the back of it, and you're just like, you know what that's used for. <laughs> I also just like the fact that Oliver vomits on the van, <laughs> like, <laughs> just because he's upset. <laughs> he's like, I'm going to make myself sick on this van. <laughs> so good. I don't know if it's because I'm about to watch the Dharma thing on Netflix. I've but, still not watched it. Um. Oliver as an interesting character in general, right? But I found him as a bit, like a bit of a, a psycho. Like in ten years, that would have surprised me if he became a wee serial killer, because, and I noticed that after the first chapter title, right? Because at the start we see him like stalking Jordana. Um, you've also got that scene where he's just watching his mum and dad kind of argue, like at the edge of the door frame, where he's like half his face is covering it. Mm. <laughs> um. But obviously, as I said earlier, he bullies like Zoe to grow closer to her. Then he becomes obsessed with like Graham the ninja and like uses his trip to the cinema with Jordana to get him. Um I know it's not really to come across this way, but he doesn't seem to care about Jordana's mum. I it just that her dying is getting in the way of like their relationship so far that he's willing to kill a dog. <laughs> and then Do you know what though? Yeah. <laughs> he like he enjoys getting his like leg hair burned and he's hating that his girlfriend is starting to like have emotions. Mm-hmm. And even the fact that he breaks into like Graham's house and starts to urinate is very psycho behaviour as well. You know. <laughs> um just other wee things as well, like thinking would I be missed if like, you know, yeah. if I died or I but with all of that, like 
this like inner monologue voiceover in his head kind of was very Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer or something. Like Could that. make a it's very like, plausible thriller film if you flipped it on its head. Like, yeah, have, have you seen the trailer for like if Mrs. Doubtfire was a horror film? Yes. You could do that with this. <laughs> Mrs. Doubtfire would be a great horror film. <laughs> I hear everything that you say, Gary, for sure. Definitely <laughs> psychotic. But I guess in a way, to me, I just see it as a boy who is just actually just overwhelmed by all the changes that are happening in his life. Like the mm. idea of him, the, the deep-rooted fear of like his parents getting divorced. Like I think with Jordana's mom, he actually just doesn't know what to do. And I know that in yeah. the narration, he's like, there's that thing where I guess she's crying and she that confides something in him and he goes she's she's gooey it's over like I can't yeah. do this anymore because I think that, that that was what was interesting to me is that he liked Jordana so much because she was hardy because she was like rude because she was scary I guess um, and then as soon as she opens up he's like he panics and I think there's something really interesting there mm-hmm. um I guess it's also like to me what I really enjoyed about that kind of um him obsessing over Graham and like doing all these like really like his logic to me is funny the fact like I don't know he fixates on maybe the wrong things I guess mm-hmm. and he obsesses over these like wrong details but I think that's like quite a teenagery thing I guess yeah like, he obviously just takes it to the absolute extreme but yeah I don't know I just think he's really overwhelmed I really like him <laughs> here's a question for you do you think he finds these as kind of comfort blankets and that's why he fixates them on them so much because I feel like maybe these changes are coming about in his life so suddenly and they haven't always been like that. And like you say, maybe he's, he's struggling and he doesn't know what to do. He's not equipped with the emotional maturity or also like the kind of, like, for example, nowadays, if we are having struggles with like mental health or anxiety, we can go to a doctor, we can go to counselling sessions, we can do this and that. And because we're adults, we don't have to confide in our parents or in anybody that we don't wish to. But when you're that age, you kind of have to in order to to make these moves. Do you think maybe he finds these things like Jordana and, you know, like fixating on Graham being a twat, like kind of comfort blankets to distract from his own problems? Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think that basically... um, because like there's so much happening in his life if you can focus on one of them and only that for a while so first of all it is Jordana and then he gets with Jordana it's like right okay but there's so much stuff I'm like I'm going to focus on Graham the ninja um and then when the stuff happens with Jordana's mum he doesn't want to go anywhere near that so it's like I'm going to focus on helping my dad just now you know so it's almost like Mm -hmm. it's, it's like a weird way of procrastinating against stuff yeah yeah I mean yeah yeah, I think I, to- I totally agree in a sense of his, I guess his ultimate problem is like managing his emotions and his like fin- failure to connect people, you know, and I think you're right, like he is just using, because he fixates on Graham because he thinks once Graham's out of the picture, his parents' marriage is going to be saved. But it's also not true. Like even if Graham didn't move away and his mom didn't give him a, <laughs> give him a hand job, like <laughs> their marriage would still be kind of, you know, struggling as is. And I think, yeah, I, yeah. But yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, he's just fixating on these. Is it bloody Edinburgh? So many ambulances. <laughs> so <laughs> many crimes. No, I, I found yeah. it very relatable, to be honest with you. Like, especially what was going on with Jordana, because see the way that, that Oliver can't process it or handle it or engage with it. I mean, when my mum was ill, I was still in high school. And I remember telling my friends and they didn't really know how to react and they didn't really know like how to be there for me 
and stuff like that and it was the same with my sister my sister was even younger than I was Mm -hmm. um, when my mum had passed away and stuff but I found that so relatable because I'm like this is actually it's, it's very true like you when you're that age you're not equipped to to emotionally process or handle these these situations so although it may come across like a bit kind of psycho it is probably just like mentally trying to figure it out for yourself when you're yeah. you're you're quite emotionally immature um you know yeah I guess it's like textbook acting out I mean maybe it's extreme textbook acting out in terms of like <laughs> gonna murder someone's dog but I guess that's it you know in terms of everyone's always like teenagers they act out when they're unhappy and I guess it's just that really to the extreme yeah. Yeah. No, totally. And as we said already, like everything is that wee bit heightened to show mm-hmm. that as well. So you can you can make room for that as well. Yeah, definitely. Has anybody else got any second points before we move on to the third one? I've done all. I've done my three. Yeah, I think I, <laughs> I think yeah. the only other thing that I would have said that I guess we've not talked about is um the music and Alex Turner mm. score, I guess. Mm-hmm. Great, great tunes. Love yeah. Yes, <laughs> loved it. I think um, the music moved the story along really well mm-hmm. and complemented scenes very well. Yeah, I also like just using like classical music and I really like, you know, there's that, those moments that were really inside Oliver's head and using classical music to like up the drama of that moment of like his own hopelessness, I guess. Like it's funny and it's cinematic, I guess, but actually it is probably how he does feel. And But I really like that the casual Alex Turner score is really lovely. Um, I've listened to it quite often. No, I, I actually did go and listen to it after it. I listened to it on my way to work the next day. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. one that's going to go on my, my playlist for when I'm writing and things. Ah, nice. Good idea. For sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, my last point, if we're, we're cool to move on. Or, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this has to be 45 minutes long. <laughs> Have we gone over 45? I um, actually don't know. Yeah. I think, you know, we're at an hour. Good. My phone. Good. Yeah. We've gone uh, over your expectations. Uh, <laughs> Don't disappear. <laughs> no, my, <laughs> she's had enough. No, my last point is um is the color in this film because mm. kind of coming back to that like gritty British nature of filmmaking, everything's a little bit more dull and kind of dreech looking. But I loved how symbolic the pops of color were in this and I'm I'm going to specifically focus on orange like I talked about earlier the cuts to orange symbolizing important parts of the film Jordana's jacket being orange and her rucksack being orange kind of symbolizing the importance of her <laughs> do you want to in there? I'm so sorry to cut in do you, is it not red Fuck you. <laughs> is it red or is it orange it was orange on my tv <laughs> oh I think it's red Fine, what fine. I'll change it. Also, I'll change it all to red. I don't even know it should a backpack. No, I'm not. <laughs> was it red? Because it was genuinely orange on my TV. I mean, it, I oh mean, no, it was genuinely. Is it red? I think it's red. I think it's red. I don't know. We'll call it. I'm light just being an asshole now. Okay, fine. Red, red. We'll call it. Or orangey red. I detract everything. You need to color balance your TV. There's no. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> all the symbolisms out the window no but i mean it might all be out the window now but no, we'll um, call it warm colors then shall we okay yeah. warm colors warm yeah. colors thank you i'm so, sorry nicola i'm sorry no <laughs> shut up you're fine no like so uh the cuts to the warm colors <laughs> the warm colors in her wardrobe <laughs> like her jacket her rucksack it, it symbolizes i think her importance in his life the kind of warmer colors in her house 
and the important like bits during um the Christmas dinner with with her mum and with her parents and how that's quite an important make or break scene for their relationship mm-hmm. the kind of warmer colors in his own home where we get a wee glimpse into the difficulties in his life what um, are the what are the warm colors in his house like what what objects is it like I, I never noticed so i'm not i'm not putting this spot i'm genuinely curious <laughs> i think i i could be wrong i think in brownie yeah yeah there's like kind of autumnal kind of colors like i think the i could be wrong i think all the cupboards are like brownie orange <laughs> brown <laughs> um i think there's like an orange towel or something in the kitchen um like as it kind of moves around and like the living room's that kind of like warm color as well it's not Do, very muted was there anything in the bedroom just because i know that's like kind of his like safe space just in his bedroom that i can't remember if the airplane is red or blue i think it might be red um and there's lots of like little trinkets in his room that are a lot more like his room is not a muted color scheme at all it pops quite a lot yeah. even even if the colors are a bit more dull than you know like maybe more modern films color schemes but they pop a little bit more and one that i found very significant is the chair in the hospital corridor where it's all clinically white and you know there's nobody there and this chair is just there and it's the only warm color in the place and then subsequently jordana's sitting in that chair yeah as she's trying to call oliver the um, chairs from ikea <laughs> i was like you know oh. <laughs> no yeah when it came to that i was like because the sound design's amazing it's such a cinematic moment and then it cuts and i was like oh we used to have that chair <laughs> <laughs> but yeah exactly no but i think you're so right like the red and jordana like for sure and i think even as well like that's kind of a, an important part when they're in the forest and it's that kind of like autumnal time of year with like the the leaves are kind of like orangey yellowy red kind of brown way um when Zoe falls in the pond and that's kind of like the making of Jordana and Oliver's relationship you know so I think those warm colors really play a lot in this film with like symbolism of important parts of it yeah mm-hmm. I, there's something quite yeah, definitely going to this the bullying uh, Zoe scene it's funny because it is like warm and kind of nostalgic feeling but it's also fucking cruel like these kids are horrible but I like the idea that he's like oh yeah these are going to be fun memories and then we kind of see it kind of feeling warm and fun even Mm -hmm. though it's um the other thing as well like see obviously the fire is kind of like orangey ready kind of thing but like the matches and everything they're in a little orange box you know and that's something that's very important to Jordana and to Oliver it's something that they do together um you know I, I can't remember if the dogs lead is red um I think so probably yeah or if it's blue it might be it might be a warm color but that kind of thing you know like the I think that is something symbolic that moves through it I could have just made up a bunch of shite but <laughs> I no, it's true yeah yeah I think no. even the cars get kind of warm colors in it when him and his mom were having that conversation of who would you say first and the bedroom as well like See when they they dim the light and it has that kind of amber glow instead of like a a bright room. Like that's all obviously very important as well because it kind of tells Oliver when his parents are getting along, you know? Yeah, that's right. right. Um, So yeah, I think that the colour scheme plays a big role in this film and in telling the audience kind of where they're at with everything. On that note as well, I think it's interesting that you spoke about like the backdrop being like the UK and uh, Swansea, Wales. 
because a lot of it reminded me of Local Hero, the film Local Hero as well, because that's that kind of small town, almost village-like place as well, um, where it's quite cold looking, you know, and there's this community feel between the characters and and things like that. So I totally seen that when it came to like the grade, especially for the, the exterior scene. And on your orangey, red, warm glow, <laughs> that is it finishes with like the sun setting with the two of them at the beach as yeah. well, which was really nice. Yeah. No, definitely. Also just like a little kind of side point. I think this is the first film I've ever watched where all the characters are like they're Welsh and they're from Wales. And it's set in Wales. I don't think I've ever watched a film where it's like lead actor and supporting actors are all performing in a Welsh accent. Maybe I'm just very uncultured, but <laughs> no, I do think it's one of the rare ones where, like, because yeah, kind of typically in UK films, you do see Irish, English, and Scottish, but you never really see a film purely set in Wales or purely with Welsh characters in it. Yes. Has anybody else got any other points that they would like to discuss? Um, the only other thing I've got is the <clears throat> the scene with Oliver Andy's dad, and they're just sitting at the table, and they decide not to go out with their plans on the Friday. Um, obviously Oliver's was to go to the hospital, but they just sit there and they talk about depression, and don't answer the phone in case it's their partner's calling. They don't know who it would be for. I thought it was, even though it was quite a sad scene, I thought it was really nice. Um, and it made me think about the rest of the film and how basically Oliver's dad's trying to keep his relationship working at the start of the film. Um, and then Oliver's trying to get into a relationship. And then by this point, both of them have almost lost their partners. And from that point on, the two not work together, but the two of them are there for each other as they go in this like adventure of trying to get um, their partners back. I do really love that they confide in each other. He kind of tries to protect Oliver a little bit more and kind of allow him to preserve like his kind of childhood innocence in a way. It's a really lovely scene. I, I like how the dad describes his depression and like a su obviously super simple sense of him just like, it feels like I'm underwater. Like I think there's something really beautiful about that, although it's really, you know, sad and devastating actually. But, mm -hmm. um, but in some ways I wonder, I actually felt like the dad was more honest with Oliver. Like definitely he was boundaried. But I feel like the mum was actually more boundaried overall. Like I know that she was, I guess she would, I don't know, she would kind of, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like the dad was more open. Um, yeah, it's pretty nice scene. Great, great film. Love it. Yeah, I did really enjoy it. I really, yeah. really enjoyed it. Has anybody's final ratings changed? Mm, I'm going to stick, I'm afraid. Oh, Gary. I Come know. on, mate. Think of all the good things we've talked about. Guys. I, know, but I could have, but we're a positive podcast. I could have named a few other ones. I didn't. I'm <laughs> sure you could have. <laughs> <I'm joking. laughs> Gary, to quote yourself at the start, you said, the last scene on the beach, I just wish there was something more. And you just said that you love the sunset at the end. So that must be half a point more. No, that's why I, that's why I, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Expose! Expose! Peer pressure. It's like I'm 15 again. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I, I think I'll stick with my four. I'm guessing you're sticking with your five. Yeah, yeah, I'll stick with my five. It's quite funny how it's quite nostalgic now. You know, obviously it was made in 2010 and I don't think it was meant to represent 2010. It obviously has that kind of, like you say, 80s vibe. But there's also like, it is of its time in a sense of like the content of what the kids say and like, 
I don't know. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's weirdly nostalgic. I definitely relate to it um, from the kind of period that I went to high school and kind of what everyone did and said. But um, yeah, I'm going to stick with five. <laughs> so now we're going to take a little break. And when we're back, we will have our little quiz and give our creative recommendations. Oliver? Yes. What's this? I don't know. What is this? Well, it looks like a letter, but I don't know what's in it. I think you do know. Why did you write this, Oliver? This isn't funny. If I did write it, and I'm not as yet admitting that I did, it'd be because I've spoke to Dad. This is what he wants. You spoke to Dad? He knows he's been imperfect. What did you talk about, Oliver? Listen. He still finds you attractive. He still wants to make love to you. Are you making this up, Oliver? Me and Dad have discussed it. We both want to make this marriage work. Are you with us? And we're back for our quick fire quiz round where Gary and I will ask Neve five questions each based on the film. And it's okay, Neve, it's just for fun, so do not worry. I've got Google open so I can Google just in case. No, okay. <laughs> you fucking cheat. You better get 10 <laughs> out of 10. <laughs> Gary, do you want to kick us off? Yes, I will. So, first question What does the note say in class at the beginning of the film? The person who's reading this is like a cock muncher or something. I'm not going to give you it for that because it's too funny not to just say it out loud. You are a, you are a cock riding twat. Oh, you know what? I was quite close though. Oh, okay. In the opening monologue, what does Oliver say most people think of themselves as? Uh, he talks about how most people think of themselves as being unique. Uh, or like the, that there's nobody else like them in the world and everyone's just walking around pretending that nothing's going on. Oh, I'll, I'll give you it. I put individuals, but you got there. Okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, more is more. more. How many yards is Oliver dropped off away from school? Ooh, 50? 800. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, 50 yards is not even that far. Okay, never. okay now I'm embarrassed. <laughs> oh God. What does Zoe tell Oliver to do after falling in the pond? Oh, to fuck off and die. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> These uh, are really weird questions. They're like really specific <laughs> questions. Um, who was Oliver's first kiss with? It was with Zoe. Yes. Um, at school disco. Yes. What does Oliver say about Jordana's hands? He talks about eczema, but I don't know if he says something specific. I'll give you it for that. He does talk about eczema. He says that they're scaly. Oh! And what did Oliver's dad used to do for a living? Oh, he's... Wait, he used to work at Open University, right? He was a marine biologist. Who was Oliver's mum's first love? It wasn't the Graham guy, no? Well, was it Graham guy? Yeah, because then his dad stole her. Yeah. Yep, was Graham. Okay, and my last question is, where do Oliver's parents go every Thursday evening? To the cinema. Yes. And mine is, what did Oliver's dad drink when he was depressed? A little cup of lemon tea. In the same cup that he never washed. Yep. Well done. Seven and a As half. As I'm drinking my water from this cup that I never wash in the office. It's two days old. <laughs> Yeah, two-day-old water. <laughs> Seven and a half out of ten, not bad. Not bad at all. I did watch the film, see? <laughs> <laughs> to round off, uh, we're now going to give our creative recommendations. So, yeah, I'll, I'll kick us off with it. 
my creative recommendation is from the 48 hour film project uh, that was just happening in Glasgow uh, last week and it is Bad Beans uh, created by Drop Shack Films it is absolutely sensational so good it won best film uh, won best acting best cinematography and the audience choice award it's now on YouTube which um, I will get Gary to put in the show links funny it's clever it's all one shot throughout beautifully shot as well it it looks stunning so yeah you can check that out on youtube i i'm going to go for some music um it's a local band who have been going less than a year so they're kind of um electric pop rock so they are Uh, it's a two-man band um based in scotland and they're called mirrors um so yeah it's some just kind of funky something a wee bit different i have two actually i um to keep it a bit more local young fathers have released their new music video um which is called um i saw which is just it's beautiful it's a great um music video so i'd recommend this and another thing i'd recommend i was at the cinema recently and i saw um decision to leave by um park chan wook and that was really great. But I love his films anyway. I mean, he did Old Boy and Lady Vengeance and things like that. Um, so I would recommend those both. Nice. 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 Definitely check them out. So, yeah. Neve. I'd also recommend Stunners <laughs> on BBC iPlayer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you. I'd, I'd also like to recommend Stunners and uh, The Farm. Yes. To be be honest, though, like unbiasedly, they are both very, (laughs) very good. No, they are. They are. And I think they deserve a lot of support um, from from viewers. Um, And if you have like what, like a spare 15 minutes, half an hour for both of them. um, Definitely give them both at the same time. Yeah. Put one of them on the television, one of them on your iPad or something. Or Or even if you're really fancy, put them on one television at a time. So true. If you're even more fancy, rent a cinema. I'll send you the DCP. <laughs> you can screen the film. <laughs> the films. <laughs> um, no, they are. Yeah. They're very, very good. So definitely check them out. Um, and yeah, Neve, thank you so much for coming on. It's been wonderful. And thank you for picking Submarine. Um, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, thank you so much for having me. I would like to formally apologise for the spiral that is my mind uh, and for any <laughs> half point I made. I don't think I said anything intelligent, but thanks so much for having me. <laughs> I don't think I ever say anything very intelligent on this, but you know what? It's fine. Um, but yes, could you please let our listeners know where they can find you on social media so that they can keep up to date with everything that you're doing? Yeah, uh, you can find me online at Keon McNeve. So that's my handle on Twitter, Instagram, and uh, be real. <laughs> I'm on be real now. Um, and uh, yeah, and then my website's like nevemick.com. So like MCK, nevemick. Like I'm a hit MCK.com. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Such a daft eh? <laughs> Oh, amazing. So yeah, I'm still Nicola and you can follow me at, at Nick underscore Doherty on Twitter and just underscore another underscore shorty21 on Instagram. And I'm Shorty. still Gary, and you can still follow me at Pro on Instagram and Twitter. And if you're loving what you're hearing, please subscribe and share what we're doing. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, remember to rate and review the podcast. And you can also leave your comments on our Facebook group, Choose Fun Podcast, because going forward, we're going to continue to read out some comments on the show. Yep. 
and you can follow the podcast at Film Choose on Twitter and Choose Film Podcast on Instagram. You've been listening to Choose Film Podcast and join us next week for a film that we've not yet decided. Or, or a new theme that we've also not decided. Yes. So all the decisions to be made. <laughs> all in good time. But yeah. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Thank you. This conversation can